From Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to Spotlighting the Indie Author. I'm Kelly Winkler, your announcer for today's podcast, Episode 30, An Author Chat with Dennis Mossberg. Who is Dennis Mossberg and what did he write? Well, by the end of the show, you will know all about Dennis, his book, and more. Before we get to Joseph and Dennis, Nina and I will be announcing the winner of our first book giveaway. Hi, gang. I'm Nina Turnipsey. Back in episode 28, we announced the details of a contest. The prize, an autographed copy of Tempest of the Firefly, a collection of poetry by Tilly McGill. The winner was to be announced on episode 29, an author chat with Tanya Bernard. We were having so much fun chatting with Tanya and enjoying listening to her poems, we forgot all about announcing the name of the lucky contestant. That we did, Nina. The correct answer to Joseph's favorite all-time author and the writing by that author, Edgar Allan Poe. His favorite writing, The Raven. We had a total of 137 entries. 112 of them had the correct answer. We placed all the correct entries in a box and drew the winner from that box. The winner of the autographed copy of Tempest of the Firefly, a collection of poetry by Tilly McGill, is... Drum roll, please. Lauren C. from Dallas, Georgia. Congratulations, Lauren. We are sure you will love the book. We appreciate all of those who took the time to enter. Didn't win? Don't worry. Spotlighting the Indie Author is in possession of several titles, all autographed. These books were sent to us by the authors for our giveaways. Thank you, Kelly. Now that has been put in the books. It's time to get the author chat underway. Joseph, are you ready? Hi, everyone. I'm Joseph Clay. We all thank you for joining us on the podcast that shines the light on the indie author with book reviews and interviews with a dab of writing wisdom tossed in. Nina, I was born ready. I'm looking forward to chatting with Dennis. You know, he and I have something in common. And what is that? We both have been behind bars. But Hold you- up. Don't be revealing my dirty laundry for everyone to see and smell. Dennis and I will talk about our time with the Department of Corrections during the interview. Sure, but all I can say, I smell a rat and something fishy. I'll leave it at that and move on. The first step in our journey of getting to know Dennis Mossberg, spotlighting the indie author's fun and popular feature, 10 off-the-wall questions. Before we get to Dennis, I have a brief message. During the 10 off-the-wall questions in the author chat, We encountered some wind noise. Although it only happens at certain times, and after post-production is hardly recognizable, some of it still exists. Please accept our apologies for this slight inconvenience. It is my pleasure to introduce to you, Dennis Mossberg. Thank you, Dennis, for being our guest today. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Please note that Dennis's last name is spelled M-O-S-S-B, 
U R G. So when you search for him on the web, make sure you type that in or you may come up with a shotgun instead of the author. <laughs> okay, Dennis, here we go with the first of the 10 off the wall questions. All right, sounds good. Would you rather spend the night in a dumpster or a porta potty? I think porta potty might be a little bit cleaner. I'm going with the porta potty. <laughs> okay. Now for the question that has puzzled civilizations since its invention toilet paper, over or under? Over. In fact, I'll change it at your house if you got it the wrong way. <laughs> okay. This one has happened to me on more than one occasion when I have been texting with more than one person at a time. Have you ever accidentally texted the wrong person and how did it turn out? Well, I have done it before. Fortunately, I'm not really a big gossip or uh, trying to say the wrong thing about someone in an electronic version because the E stands for evidence. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I try to be fairly neutral on that. So. You know, if I've sent the wrong message to the wrong person, it's just a matter of, oops, sorry, wrong person, and usually don't cause any hurt feelings that way. And I love that the E in electronic actually could mean evidence. That's brilliant. Yep. <laughs> when you think of success, who comes to mind and why? Ooh, a couple of people came to mind. Probably Einstein would be one of my top guys. He managed to change the world of science in ways that we're still not completely comfortable with or even able to understand. Um, he was completely misunderstood. Um, he worked in the patent office for years because he couldn't get a job as a teacher. And um, he did most of his, at least the early work on his relativity theory by doing thought experiments. He is famous for having this um, thinking technique that if he had an hour to save the world, he'd spend 59 minutes thinking about it. And that's just genius way to look at things, try to work out all the the problems as best you can in your head before you start putting pen to paper. Correct. And a lot of people need to do that before they open their mouth and put the words out in the air. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree with you wholeheartedly yeah. on that. Okay. Who or where would you haunt if you were a ghost? Where would I haunt if I were a ghost? Hmm. Well, it'd probably be the place I enjoy being around most is my house with my family and my dogs and you know I wouldn't want to be creepy or make you feel bad that I'm gone but there's a reason I live there that's where my stuff is that's where my memories are so that's yeah. probably where I'd want to be yeah that is a good answer thank you would you rather be able to record your thoughts or dreams while you sleep I'm not sure that those two are necessarily separate things but if I had to pick one or the other it'd probably be um, my dreams my thoughts hopefully aren't that much different when I'm awake and I get enough of those. I'd like to see how those thoughts and behaviors are being acted out. So I'd rather record my dreams. When you were a kid, did you have any posters on your wall? And if so, what were they? Oh, Lamborghini poster. I'm an 80s kid, so I had the red Lamborghini uh, Testarossa, or not Testarossa, uh, Countach on my wall. What's the best yeah. piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've ever been given is probably just to take the next step forward. You know, you're looking around trying to figure out what to do. You've got a big project. You've got a, whatever going on. It seems insurmountable. What's the next step? What do you have to do to get this whole thing rolling? So, say, so take the next step. Would you rather wrestle a bear or an alligator? Uh, I'd probably rather wrestle an alligator. I know I can't outrun a bear. Hopefully, I can outrun an alligator if I have to. <laughs> okay. It's not really about who can win the wrestling matches, who can get away from who the fastest. Makes sense. Yeah, I know my limits. Now to the last question. If you could have two superpowers, what would they be? I would love to be able to fly. So flying would be probably be one of them. And then I'm really interested in history, in the past. 
which is odd for me because I try not to live there. For me, history is context, but I would really love to know what happened. Uh, particularly, you start thinking about even early American battles, we pretty much know what happened there. I want to go back farther and look at early Greek and Roman battles and see what actually happened. I mean, we know the outcomes, but how we got there, we have little idea. So some sort of divination superpower where I could look back in the past. I don't necessarily want to go back and uh, change anything or affect anything. I just want to see what happened. Right. Get the facts of what led up to the part that's actually documented. Exactly. And see how much it's been changed, refined over the years. Right. If you will. Thank you for answering the 10 off the wall questions. You're welcome. After Kelly informs the listeners a tad about you, lets them know your contact information and more, you and I will be right back to discuss your writing and the new book, Reflections on Leadership, What Leaders Say About Leadership. Take it away, Kelly. Our guest, Dennis Mossberg, has worked over 17 years in corrections and is an Incident Command System, ICS, Type 3 Operations Section Chief. Dennis is also the founder of Gray Moose Leadership Group. As a leader, he has supervised staff in corrections, supervising their day-to-day activities and emergency response. As a member of a Type 3 Incident Management Team, Dennis has responded to emergencies involving contaminated water incidences, computer system breaches, the Kilaea volcano in Hawaii, and Hurricane Florence in North Carolina. He is also a volunteer at Dachshund Rescue Northwest. Professionally, Dennis has led teams in pre-planned uses of force in the correction setting, supported county jails in communities under threat of wildfires, and assisted the island of Hawaii in responding to the Kilaea volcano, and provided guidance and support in rescue and humanitarian missions in North Carolina. Much of his leadership experience has been in getting A-type personalities to get along and move in the same direction. Some of his proudest professional moments are helping to rescue the mistreated. Dennis has been a longtime volunteer at DRNW and has recently created their strategic plan and created other business reports for the rescue. In his spare time, Dennis enjoys bicycling, weightlifting, spending time with his dogs and wife. So far, his battle-tested leadership skills have no effect on the dogs or wife. You can contact Dennis via email at dennis.mossberg at gmail.com or through his website, dennismossberg.com. Dennis can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and MeWe. We will have the links to everything in Dennis's special guest page on our website. His website and email will be in the show notes of this podcast. Now back to Joseph and Dennis. Okay, Dennis, time to get down to business. First, let's talk about what we have in common. We both at one time or another have worked for the Department of Corrections. That's right, people. Neither of us were inmates. You might say we did the time without no crime. I worked five years with the Tennessee Department of Corrections in various positions. Dennis, tell us about your stint with the Department of Corrections, along with your education and general background. Yeah, we kind of have a phrase, doing it life on the installment plan. <laughs> yeah. I spent 17 years working in prisons, and during that time, I was a sergeant. I had a temporary gig as a lieutenant. I'm learning that in some institutions, those ranks mean different things in your responsibilities. Um, as a sergeant, I was 
responsible for supervising staff and maintaining security of the facility. We had probably about a population of probably about 2,200 offenders. Um, and during that time, I also became a defensive tactics instructor. I joined the emergency response team. We trained in like small team tactics, crowd control, riot control, that sort of thing. And eventually I decided that I was getting too old to mess around and wrestle with the younger guys. So I joined the department incident management team. Incident command system is a nationwide system framework so that you can um, respond to natural disasters and other emergencies in a uniform way. So that you can take eight guys from Washington state and send them to North Carolina in uh, New Bern, and we can help the local county government respond to Hurricane Florence. Happened uh, 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. So that system came about, started instituting it nationwide after the Twin Towers, because they found that uh, law enforcement and fire departments couldn't communicate with each other. So it was during that very same deployment, actually, to um, Hurricane Florence that one of the firefighters I was working with, he was working on his doctorate. And I had always wanted to get a master's degree, but never really knew what in. And I thought, well, if this guy can work online on his doctorate, then I can surely get a master's online. So I looked around and found some programs, and I ended up getting a master of science in management and leadership. Okay. So I went through that program, yeah. And I learned a lot about what academics had to say about leadership and how to apply it. There's a lot of theories out there, 3X, 3Y, and that sort of thing. But I was curious at this point what famous leaders in history had to say about leadership. So I started collecting their quotes, some of their famous quotes, and then I give a little history on the person. Uh, Then I break down that quote and show how it applies to modern management theory. And then I also try to give the reader a chance to bridge that knowing doing gap and give them some some tips and ideas on how to improve areas of their leadership they want to improve is reflections on leadership what leaders say about leadership your first book it is my first well it's not even my first published book no i have a couple of fiction books i've written they haven't gone anywhere and they're sitting somewhere in the house (laughs) and then once i got my degree i wanted to figure out how to publish a book so i took some essays that i wrote just about life. I was actually taking part in a book writing contest. The month of November is National Write a Novel in a Month. Mm-hmm. 50,000 words in a month. Right. So I did it once before by writing essays. So I wrote 30 essays for the month that totaled uh, 50,000 words. Mm-hmm. So that kind of just sat around gaining dust. And then I started answering questions online on Quora. And I decided to take those two things and publish ebooks. So I have a couple of ebooks also on Amazon. And then Reflections on Leadership came about from that same contest. Okay. I find I work a lot better with some sort of pressing deadline, but some nice small steps I can take in between. Mm-hmm. So I collected a bunch of quotes and then each day dedicated myself to writing 1,667 words on each quote. Okay. And so that's how we kind of ended up there. So I've got couple previous this is the first published all right what made this one different than the other two that you wanted to actually publish it not only in ebook form but paperback those two were experiments i knew it at the time 
I like what's in there. It's valuable information, but I wanted to see what came about. I thought this one would be pretty much the same thing, but as I started working more on it, so I wrote the book during the month of November, but then I spent quite a few months editing it and refining it and getting it as far as I could take it. And after going through the information in there and looking around at the state of leadership in the world, I felt that this information could help people, could help new leaders, could help maybe leaders who realize that they've hit a ceiling. And I really just want to help not just the leaders, they're kind of the keystone to this, but I'm more interested in helping the followers. So many of us have worked in you know, toxic workplaces or just had teams that didn't gel, that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. my hope is that by making leaders better, I can make the lives of their followers better. Sort of like a uh, domino effect. If you make one gel and can react and interact with the people below them, you got a better, stronger team. Absolutely. Yeah. I can give followers all sorts of tips on mindfulness and, you know, ways to try to endure a bad team or a bad boss or that sort of thing. But that doesn't solve the problem. The right. problem is trying to fix what's upstream of them. Okay, that brings us to the next question. Before you tell us about Reflections on Leadership, what demographics is your book geared to? Will reading Reflections on Leadership, what leaders say about leadership, benefit the team leader of Refractory at a steel plant who is only in charge of five people? Or is it geared for those higher up in the management chain? Or can everyone benefit from reading it? Everyone can benefit from this. We're all leading something, right? Right. Leading, we might just be leading ourselves, but we need to have some idea about how to um, how to do that, how to kind of plot ahead, how to get a better way to communicate with others. We could be leading our family, we could be leading our community, or even a small team of five. I've been the leader of those small teams of five and six in some um, austere conditions, shall we say. Yeah. And those techniques I applied there are going to be the same in small team situations and crisis situations, you go to more of the command and control, but to get the command and control effective, you have to start with more, say, emotional intelligence or better communications with your team. Mm -hmm. In an emergency, and I've been there for plenty of them, I can speak with experience that in an emergency, communication is the first thing that fails. If you have not built those networks and learn how to communicate before the emergency, it's going to be a pretty rough episode, much rougher than it has to be for you. True. And in marriage, if you don't learn how to communicate, you're going to create a disaster. That's you going absolutely to need. are. And yeah. don't think that I have it all figured out. We're all a work in progress and we're all trying to figure this out. So even if you have led smaller teams before, even if not in austere conditions, every level you go up, you're going to be leading a small team, whoever people are that you directly supervise and then indirectly their people. So every level of leadership, you have to be able to lead. And it only becomes more obvious that you don't have good leadership skills the farther up the chain you get. I like the way you put that you didn't have it all figured out yourself. And I love that oh, yeah. little tidbit at the end of your Amazon profile that says all your, leaders, <laughs> all your leadership skills still has no effect on your wife or the dog. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I do my best, but yeah. sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> they know me a lot better than the employees do. So <laughs> yeah. I fell over laughing with that. And I said, yeah, me and Dennis going to get along just great. We got a wicked <laughs> sense of humor. Oh yeah. All right. Now tell us about reflections on leadership along with what leaders you're referring to in the statement. What leaders say about leadership. Are they fortune 500 CEOs, entrepreneurs, 
who have made it big or just two? So it's a wide collection. I found quotes from Lao Tzu in China that I liked, at least one from Caesar, all the way up to some modern CEOs and COOs of major corporations, uh, military people in between, entrepreneurs who've built big companies. So I wasn't really trying to narrow my focus. Um, I even have a quote in there from at least one from Eleanor Roosevelt, and she arguably wasn't a leader of any organization, but she managed to get a lot of work done and a lot of things pushed through just because she was able to show those leadership skills. Eleanor Roosevelt was a fantastic first lady. She was. She really defined the role of what a first lady should be. I, I think any aspiring or current first lady or who knows, maybe someday first husband right. might want to look at her example and some of the great things she did. Whether you believe in her politics or not, I mean, there are a lot of things she did that I don't necessarily agree with, but looking at her leadership skills, I, I can't argue with that. Correct. And sometimes when you're researching somebody, you have to take the politics and in some cases the religion out of it and just look at what the person did and the results they got from the way they did it. I mean, you might not agree with what they got done, but you got to agree with how they got it done. Absolutely. I mean, I tried to stay away from really controversial figures because I didn't want it to be a referendum on that. But a judge in the book who wasn't really liked by either party at times, but the way he lit and the way he acts, I had to take my hat off to him. He did a good job with it. This is a great and interesting concept. How did you come up with that idea? And how long did it um, take you to put all this together? So I've always loved quotes, just kind of what thoughts are rumbling through people's heads, trying to figure out what I can use and what doesn't really make sense for me. So I guess I was just leading up to November 2018. Okay. I was just kind of looking at some quotes and thought, hey, I have some thoughts about this or Hey, I just, just saw something similar to that. And uh, that's when the idea of writing the book came in, because I knew we were coming up to November in the writing contest. And so I just started collecting quotes and filtering out the ones I liked and some of them I didn't. And um, just went from there, just ready to go on November 1. That's amazing how all that worked out, too. It is. It seems like you got the ideas at the right time. You started planning it in stages and you said, this is November I like this idea. I would like to talk about this. And you just started putting stuff together. And then when November rolled around, you're ready to go. Yeah. I don't know how much I believe in fate or serendipity. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have an opinion one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me, or even luck, but it seems to me that if you want to benefit from any of those things, it's best just to be ready right. for the opportunities. Right. Be ready for the opportunities and have your eyes open and look for them. That's the best way to take advantage of luck or serendipity or fate or, or any of those things. Have an open mind, have some open eyes, and just be ready. Right. It's like the old Boy Scout saying back when I was a Boy Scout, always be prepared. Be prepared, absolutely. Yeah. From the documentation you sent me, Reflections on Leadership, what leaders say about leadership is to help one discover how to identify and end toxic relationships, how to run one-on-ones, how to give actionable feedback, how to build relationships with your followers, and how to mentor your followers in minutes a week. Give us a little insight on those issues, please. There's a couple in there that really hit home for me, and I think they're okay. almost kind of keystones to this whole thing. The first one is feedback. We human beings, all of us, I'm raising my hand right now, are <laughs> terrible at giving feedback. You know, we say, good job. Well, okay, about what? What did I do that was good? Even if you watch one of your followers provide a 
presentation or something. You say, good job. Well, what was good? What parts of the thing did you like? Did you like my slides? Did you like um, some particular points? It doesn't really give a person anything concrete to take action on. You're just kind of wandering in the dark. Well, they like my last one. I'm going to try to replicate that. Well, who knows? Maybe the boss just liked the font on your presentation. <laughs> you, know, you, know, yeah. you don't know. Yeah. So you want to be able to give actionable feedback and tell them specifically what they did good on. So um, just in my time in prisons, we learned a lot about how to de-escalate situations and how to try to redirect offender inmate behavior in a positive way. So the model that I kind of, I don't want to say I developed it, I just someone else showed it to me and I've used it over the years, is to first ask if you can give the person feedback. If they're not ready to receive feedback, there's no point in proceeding because they're not going to listen to you and you're just forcing something on Correct. So ask if they'd like some feedback. And when they say yes, then you describe a behavior. We're not focused on attitudes or emotions or moods or anything like that because admittedly, we rarely understand our own motivations or emotions. So you want to discuss behavior. And then you ask them if they can repeat that behavior. And you contract with them by having them say yes. Let's say that one of your followers um, consistently shows up on time for work, five minutes early, they're prepared, they're ready to start the job right at the top of the hour. So you'd say, hey, Bob, can I give you some feedback? Bob says, yes. Bob, when you show up on time, ready to work, right at the top of your shift, it helps the rest of the shift and helps the rest of the team get all their work done uh, for the day. So I appreciate that. Can you keep uh, showing up for work on time? Bob will be happy and says, yeah, I can keep, keep doing that. Or you will like the way that the guy who provided your presentation he started on time, he ended on time, um, he had some good data on the slides or whatever. Hey Bob, can I give you some feedback? Yes, you can. I like the pacing of your slides. You covered each topic, but with not too much detail. I appreciate that. Can you do that next time you provide the presentation? Bob's excited. He says, yes, appreciate that. So we're talking about behaviors and we're trying to give them actionable steps that they can take to get to the desired outcome. One-on-ones, Again, most of the things I talk about, I've made the mistake. I've been there. So one-on-ones are pretty fashionable in management right now, but there's not really a described format or agenda, so to speak. So I had a follower who he transferred from another prison. He had a lot of experience on the job. Unfortunately, too often people mistake experience on a job with growth and development. Do you have 20 years experience or do you have one year of experience 20 times? Have you have you changed any of your behaviors right. or your actions during right. that time? This one follower, I'd had him off and on just because we both switched to, to different spots, and I'm supervising him again, and I hadn't been able to change any of his behaviors, and I was really kind of frustrated, and he was getting frustrated with me, and so my captain, our captain, came to me and said, "You're going to have a monthly meeting with this guy so that he can get to know you and you can build this relationship." I don't want to build relationships with these guys. I just want them to do what I tell them to. So I'd sit down with him once a month. And because the meeting was for him, I just let him talk about whatever he wanted. It turned out he had a lot of issues at home. Uh, He had a daughter in her 20s with Down syndrome and speaking Mm. difficulties and a lot of things like that. These are all things I had no idea about. So I would sit there and I would listen to him and kind of make some mental notes. The first couple were pretty long because he had a lot to say. And then I would share a little bit about myself, and then I would talk to him about some things I wanted him to work on between our meetings. And wouldn't you know it, 
After a couple of these meetings, I started seeing changes in his behavior and his work performance. It really kind of blew me away. And so I kind of worked with that format and that idea. So we're doing monthly one-on-ones. That's really not enough because a lot of things happen in work and life in one month. Especially in the Department so, of Correction. Oh, yeah, Department <laughs> of Change. <laughs> right. So I've refined it down to once a week. I know it seems like a lot of time, but you got to do it. So it's once a week, but only half an hour. And again, let your follower go first. If you sit down and say, oh, before we get started, I want you to know that you've got that paperwork turned tomorrow. You've taken over the conversation. You sit down, say hi, how you doing? And then just let your follower go. And if they want to talk about family, that's great. They're trying to build a relationship with you. They're trying to open up. You'll learn some things about them. So just let them talk about whatever they want for the first half of the half hour meeting. And then when it's your turn to talk, you can start talking about, again, whatever you want. As a boss, you're usually probably going to start talking about work issues, maybe some things to work on. And then um, you set your next appointment. Um, as a boss, I always had a hard time filling out the performance reviews because I'm only going to remember what they did in last month. I can't remember everything they did over the year. So I'm trying to ask them for information. Well, if you've done your one-on-ones, you've got the notes from 52 weekly meetings. That makes filling out your performance review a lot easier. You've got plenty of material and raw data. And if I can go back a little bit on feedback, the one-on-ones are okay for feedback. But remember, the longer from the point that your direct or your follower did an action giving feedback, it loses value. I've talked to a lot of supervisors, and I'm sure I've done it myself, where they want to correct or give me some feedback on something I did a month ago. I barely remember that incident. By then, my memory about it is so fatty, I could argue about what I did and didn't do all day. So feedback is more in the moment. The one-on-ones are kind of a guidepost for the upcoming week and some of the things you'd like to work on them that don't really require feedback per se, but like, you know, just um, we're changing the way we do this in this area. I had never thought about it that way, but that actually makes sense. A lot of people, including myself, have no idea that sometimes we're exhibiting poor leadership qualities. Can you give us a scenario, then explain what a good leader would do versus a poor leader in that scenario? Again, I point to myself, if I want to look for examples of bad leadership, I've got plenty of them to go around. The important thing is that you learn from it. So I had finished my book in uh, November of 20. must have been November of 2019, and I was editing it and doing the best I could, but I knew I was just rereading the same things, not picking up mistakes. I was reading it how I intended it to sound. So being part of incident command system, when COVID rolled around, I was deployed to start helping with those recovery kind of efforts and response efforts, especially early on. So I knew that I needed some fresh eyes to take a look at my book. So I hired an editor. I tracked her down through a mutual friend and we kind of exchanged emails and she'd already seen the manuscript. She gave me kind of a sample of what she would change on the introduction and I liked it. I couldn't argue with what she was doing. I could see that she was picking out errors that I was overlooking because I knew what it was supposed to say, not what it was saying. So I just let her go and I trusted her to do the job I hired her for. And through all of 2020, I'm going on deployments to help various government agencies. And she's sending me the manuscript back and forth, asking some questions. Her questions I worked on because that's part that she couldn't fix and she needed my input. 
but I trusted her with the other things like the punctuation and the formatting and uh, all of those things that she is the subject matter expert in, and I'm not. So I hired the person, I gave my objectives, kind of the framework, and then I just let her do her job. Too often, as leaders, we don't do that. We don't realize that we're busy, that we have too much on our plates, so we delegate it to a subject matter expert and we let them do their job. Um, I wasn't going to argue with her about split infinitives or fragments or period placement. Um, I just let her do that and I worked that allowed me to focus on um, the content of the book all while trying to <laughs> spend you know 80 hours a week responding to COVID. Right. So if I, if I didn't have her doing that, taking that load off my plate, we wouldn't be sitting here right now talking about this book. To sort of sum it up, a good leader would let the person do the job that they were hired for because they have the expertise, and a bad leader would try to take over somehow or another and say, no, I don't think that needs to be done that way. Right. They would be arguing with her about all sorts of punctuation things, whatever. And frankly, I didn't have the interest or the time to do that. So I hired her, told her what I wanted, and went off down the road together and I, I think we did a great job and she's looking forward to um, working on some more of my stuff so. yeah that's great and it's good for writers to build a relationship with an editor because the one thing you don't want to do is to use one of your terms that we use here in the interview is you don't want to build a toxic relationship with that editor where she doesn't actually trust you and you don't actually trust her because you're not really going to get it no you're not. You're going to get a really bad product, something you don't feel good about. So, yeah, just working on that relationship. She emailed me back and forth a couple times. Like, I was being deployed for two weeks at a time. And so there would be time that I, frankly, didn't have the bandwidth to even look at the manuscript. And so she would send me an email. Hey, how you doing? Worried about you. You know, are you okay? I respond back. So we built up a, a pretty good relationship just going back and forth. I don't know that I've ever talked to her on the phone, honestly. It's all through email. I'm just trying to, to get this done. Okay, that is great. Thanks for sharing that story with us. Yeah, you're welcome. One of the subcategories the book is listed in is self-help. Does the layout of the book give steps to help one achieve their goal? This book doesn't really have, an, say, an overarching goal to make you a better leader. Like, you do this step, and then you do this next step, and then you do the next step. Mm -hmm. The, the self-help part, though, each chapter has um, steps you can take to improve your leadership on that particular subject. Oh, okay. That's great. Some of them, there are actually action steps I've outlined after the chapter, and then others, the steps you can take are um, kind of spelled out within the chapter. So uh, that's the self-help part. If you're reading through there and you realize, yeah, I need to work on this myself, I try to give each chapter a chance to figure out what you can do to self-evaluate and to try to give you some help bridging whatever gap that is for you. Now, with that type of layout, would it be feasible for an organization to use the book to help their leaderships build better leadership qualities? It would be. Actually, just recently, someone I know reached out to me and said that um, the leader of his organization wanted to use my book for training situations at their executive meetings. Uh, they just wanted to get my permission first. And I said, absolutely, please go ahead. That's what I want is for people to take something and learn from this book about how to become a better leader and how to get more from your followers and have a better relationship there. Speaking of helping leaders be the best they can be, tell us a little bit about Gray Moose Leadership Group. 
and the services they offer. I believe it's a consulting firm. Is that correct? That's correct. So that's my consulting firm. And anyone who wants to be a better leader for themselves or they want to try to help their team or organization build a better leadership group, they can contact me, as I said, in the Department of Corrections. And actually, I'm still working for the department. I left prisons after about 17 years, and I'm a parole officer now. Washington State, we call it community corrections officer, but everyone knows it as parole officer. So anyone who wants to get my consulting services, um, just reach out and contact me and we'll have a chat about uh, what I do and see how I can help you. If you're an individual, we'll set up weekly meetings for a while to try to help coach you through some of your situations. If you're an organization, I can facilitate uh, a meeting between me and your leadership group. And part of my time with the Department of Corrections, I told you I'm a defensive tactics instructor, but I've also taught other classroom experience. So through the department, I have quite a bit of um, teaching and facilitating meetings and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm comfortable doing that for your organization. We'll put a link to Gray Moose Leadership Group in the show notes so people will know how to get in touch with you concerning those services. Now for the question most authors get asked a thousand times in these types of interviews. What's next? Do you have any new projects on the burner? I do. I have a journaling practice. I've been doing it for years. So what I'm doing right now is each night I will write some story that reminds me of one of my leadership failures or successes and just write a brief outline on that, um, just enough so I can fill in the blanks later. Mm -hmm. And then I've been going through and writing a blog on my website based on those entries. And in the blog, I polish them a little bit more, but it's still kind of an incubator, I guess, for the next book. I'll go through and kind of look at similar stories and try to create that more directed approach, like start your leadership journey by doing this. And then however it looks out. But so, yeah, I've got another project in the works, not really fully fledged yet about what it will look like, but I've started that. And I've also, as you can imagine, having spent some years in corrections, I've recently been struggling with some PTSD type issues. Some of those journal entries might be a separate book to try to help people recognize PTSD in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people focus on military, especially law enforcement second, but start missing some of the other first responders like fire, ambulance, and even corrections. Mm-hmm. So uh, I might actually have two projects in the works right now. All right. I'll be on the lookout for both of those, especially the one about PTSD. Back to your latest release, Reflections on Leadership, which is available in ebook for $5.99 and paperback for $15.99. Is there any plans for an audiobook? I've kind of been toying around with that. Several of my friends have asked for an audio version. Frankly, I'm not sure how to go about doing that, and I have some other distractions I'm working on right now, but I'm certainly not opposed to sitting down with someone and uh, creating an audiobook. Where can listeners purchase Reflections on Leadership? What leaders say about leadership. So it's available at all online retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I've even found it on some of our small local bookstores who have an online presence. I haven't got it on a lot of physical uh, store shelves yet, and that's more just deal with how publishing companies and bookstores deal with um, returns. And I right. don't want to be responsible for <laughs> buying back a lot of books. Right. I but totally yeah, understand the, that. 
Yeah, but the paperback versions are available through all of your favorite online retailers. I know during our email conversations, you were working on a website. Has it went live yet? It is live. Yes, it's still a work in progress, but it's live. It's uh, DennisMossberg.com, and as you pointed out, it's spelled with a U, not an E. So DennisMossberg.com, and then I'm available on most of the socials, and again, just with my name, Dennis Mossberg. I don't have any special handles anymore. Okay. All the links to Dennis's website, social media sites, and a link to his Spotlighting the Indie Author special guest page will be in the show notes. If your podcast platform doesn't provide the links in the show notes, you can find all of them in one location. Visit www.spotlightingtheindieauthor.com backslash guests backslash Dennis Mossberg. Dennis, thank you once again for being on the show and chatting with us. Oh, my pleasure. All of us here at Spotlighting the Indie Author wish you the best in life and your writing. That's a wrap on an interview with Dennis Mossberg. I enjoyed talking to a fellow correctional officer. I like the concept behind reflections on leadership, what leaders say about leadership, and believe it will help anyone who reads it. The link for you to purchase the book will be in the show notes. I got to listen to the interview before it was edited. You and Dennis had a lengthy conversation about PTSD. That was cut. Yes, and I'm also excited to hear that Dennis may be working on a book that talks about PTSD. I hated to leave that conversation out as it contained some staggering numbers about PTSD and corrections and some of the signs and symptoms. I'm hoping that the book about PTSD materializes and we can have Dennis back on the show and he and I can have that conversation again. That would be awesome. I think two things mentioned in this show bears to be repeated. The first, remember, Dennis's last name is spelled M-O-S-S-B-U-R-G. There is no E in Dennis's last name. Second, Dennis is a trained leader who trains leaders. But so far, his leadership skills have no effect on the dogs or his wife. I love that line from his bio. Why it shows that leaders can have a sense of humor and don't need to be up so uptight. With that said, thanks everyone for listening. Till next time, hugs. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And kisses. <coughs> Nina. Great point, Nina. Kelly, give us what's up next and when, please. I'm out of here. Did you know that wedding cake was originally thrown at the bride and groom instead of eaten by them? <laughs> no, I did not know that. I have a wedding coming up here soon. Should I try it out? Nah, I'd rather eat it. Our next show, airing on May 15th, is a book review of Reflections of Leadership, What Leaders Say About Leadership, by Dennis Mossberg. Mark your calendars and or subscribe to the podcast, as we will be giving away an autographed copy of the book. That's all we have for you today on Spotlighting the Indie Author. Please join us again soon. We are already looking forward to the next episode. Opinions and or beliefs shared by any guest are not necessarily the opinions and or the beliefs of Joseph E. Clay.com, its affiliates, which includes spotlighting the indie author and its hosts. Music used in today's podcast. Show intro and outro music 
Country Intro for Podcast by Alex Violaman, courtesy of Audio Jungle. Show background music, Never Stop Dreaming by Crescent Music, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. Spotlighting the indie author's feature, 10 off the wall questions. Intro, outro and background music, Lazy Frog Loop by Zaga 2, courtesy of Free Sound. The show notes will contain the following. Links to the books reviewed on today's show, along with the author's or guest's website, and social media accounts, if applicable. Links to the websites mentioned in the podcast. Contact information for Spotlighting the Indie Author. The link to Spotlighting the Indie Author's podcast webpage. Links to the bias of today's hosts. Links to Spotlighting the Indie Author's blog. The blog will include the sound effect credits, the technical data on the recording of today's show, and more. Links to josepheclay.com's website and blog. Till we meet again, on the airwaves, the crew of Spotlighting the Indie Author appreciates everyone for taking the time to listen. This was episode number 30, a 2021 production of Spotlighting the Indie Author, a josepheclay.com podcast. <laughs>